on the Virtual Bible Stage tonight, we want to talk about Christmas. Yeah, uh, you know, we were trying to talk, think about a, a topic for discussion tonight, and it just seemed like we'd be missing the obvious if we didn't talk about Christ and Christmas. Uh, we've talked about it before on the Virtual Bible Stage, but it's been a few years back, and so just thought we'd review some of the things that we know and some of the myths, the, the false myths that have been generated about Christ and Christmas. All right, we'll talk about that as we get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, December twenty third, two thousand and twenty one. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Kyle's here. Welcome, Kyle. It's good to be here. Glad that you're here, and uh, we look forward to you being a part of the program on the other end of the line tonight at nine three one. One three eight one four five six seven questions at collegeview.com in the chat window tonight. Most of you are going to be listening to this in the archive version. It appears a uh, sort of a skinny crowd tonight. Lots of things going on. Um, if you have a comment at any time when you listen to the virtual Bible study, you may go back, go back in the archives and be listening to one from 15 years ago. And you have a question or a comment, agree or disagree. Use that email address at any time. Questions at collegeview.com. Jacob, before we get into our topic tonight, we got we got time to push our uh, Bible reading calendar for 2022. We've gotten several requests of people who wanted a copy, and we still got time. Very likely have time to get a get a hard copy to you if you okay. will send in an email. Act fast to questions at collegeview.com. You know, you got to include your snail mail, U.S. mail address so we can get that in an envelope and send it to you. We've been stuffing a, a Bible, I mean, a, a bumper sticker, a virtual Bible study bumper sticker in there with most of them. And we'll be glad to do that for you. And uh, uh, but let us know pretty quickly. Also, remember, Lord willing, we will have as soon as the new year starts, we will have a a link on our collegeview.com website to the, the Daily Bible reading schedule on the on the website, so you can you can access it online. But if you'd like a hard copy, and I, I prefer to have a hard copy, uh, if you prefer to have that, uh, let us know, and we'll get one in the mail to you. All right. Questions at collegeview.com. So our topic for discussion, I just seemed sort of logical. I mean, we're right imminently into the Christmas observance, and so. We put out to our update list earlier today these questions. Get on our list if you're not questions at collegeview.com. Just say add me to the list. Here's what we sent out to our update list earlier today. Number one, how would you respond to these statements? Now, remember, we're not just talking about Christmas here, but we're, we're talking about some misconceptions about Christ and about Christmas. Mm. So here's a, here's a pretty, uh, serious accusation against Jesus, how would you respond? Jesus was not unique. He was not the only begotten Son of God. How would you answer? How would you answer? Jesus was not born of a virgin. There's some people who say that. More and more more and more people are saying that. That's a, a, a becoming the sort of the modernist view that that's that that's not, that he wasn't born of a virgin. And then how would you respond to the statement, Jesus was born on December 25th? Now, that's what that's what the religious world's going to observe here in a couple of days, supposedly the very day that Jesus was born on, December 25th. Do you believe that? How do you respond if someone says, oh, sure, Jesus was born on December 25th? How are you going to respond to that? Then uh, another question, should the birth of Jesus be observed and celebrated as a special religious day? Yes or no? Do those who do not celebrate it as a religious day show that they are ungrateful for his birth? Okay. And then finally, and we, I think we can likely get some some disagreement on this and some some 
issues of conscience that people might have, but we're going to ask the question, can Christians celebrate Christmas as a secular holiday? When we mention secular, we mean, you know, like Labor Day, Fourth of July, New Year's Day. Can you celebrate December 25th, Christmas, but not religiously, just secularly? And and so if you answer yes, explain why. If you answer no, explain why. Because I think we will have people on both sides of that question, and that's understandable. Uh, it always has been so. Uh, and and certainly we'll we'll talk about matters of conscience in that regard. All right. Again, the phone line's open for you nine three one three eight one four five six seven. If you'd like to comment there, and if you haven't signed in with other listeners, a few more trickling in here after class has begun. Uh, sign in the list with other with the chat room there and comment with other listeners on the program tonight. So let's dive into this first one, Jacob. A misconception about Jesus: He was not unique. He was not the only begotten Son of God. Now, when you think about that, I don't know if it comes to your mind as it immediately comes to my mind. That probably about the first thing I think about when I hear someone make a statement like that is what the Muslims say about Jesus. Here's here's some quotes from the Quran. They say God has taken to Him a son, and you should say that they who forge against God falsehood shall not prosper. In other words, so. They're saying that God has a son, and what you should say is, you're, you're in trouble for saying that. Another quote from the Quran. Warn those who say, quote, God has taken to himself a son. A monstrous word it is issuing out of their mouths. They say nothing but a lie. And then another quote from the Quran. They are unbelievers who say God is the Messiah, Mary's son. And so, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about what the Muslims believe concerning Jesus. Typically, the Muslims would argue, because they claim to serve the same God we do, but they would argue that Jesus was a prophet of God. Muhammad was the last and greatest prophet of God, they claim, but Jesus was not the only begotten son of God. They deny that. I really think that as... Christians, uh, I, I believe we should be on on the ready to defend that necessary truth. If that's not, if Jesus is not the only begotten Son of God, then we ought to just board up the building, uh, lock the doors, uh, do something else, go fishing, I guess, or whatever, because we're wasting our time here. If Jesus is not the only begotten Son of God, and we we need to be ready to engage in in a discussion of the evidences that prove that uh in john chapter 3 verse 16 beginning you know john three sixteen, it says god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life that the, the text goes on to say for god sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved he that believeth on him is not condemned but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of god so the sending of his own son was the ultimate sign of god's love for mankind uh and and the Muslims and others who deny that Jesus is his son stand condemned already, Jesus said, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So it's a very serious thing for sure. Now, as I said, I believe we've got to be ready to discuss evidences for that. And, and that's a whole study in itself. We don't have time to dive deeply into it, but, you know, we, we could talk about the verifiable miracles that Jesus performed. Uh, we could read about his prophetic statements. Uh, we could read about, we could talk about his sinless life. The ultimate proof, according to Romans chapter one, verse four, is his resurrection from the dead. I mean, there's all kind of proof that Jesus actually is unique. He is the only begotten son of God. And we, we got to be ready to defend that against those who would argue otherwise. And it's interesting, uh, the, if you want to challenge Christianity as, uh, Muhammad did, you would go right to the central premise that Jesus is the Son of God. Yeah. You would real, you would draw your battle line there as they have done, uh, and notice they don't give any proof other than saying, well, it's a lie. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there may be other proofs here, but what you've shown here is just basically saying, that's a lie. You know, um, the, the, one of the 
big, incredibly important distinctions between Christianity and Islam is that we, uh, the, the, the one we follow, we claim, he claims, and we believe to be true by evidence that he is a resurrected Savior. The Muslims don't make that argument about Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he died and he's dead and he never came back. So there, there, there is one extreme and distinct difference between Christianity and Islam. We believe we have a resurrected Savior. Uh, and, and again, we don't have time tonight, and it's not the purpose of our study tonight, to engage in the deep study of the evidences of that, but the evidences are overwhelming. Okay, Dwight and Michelle in Ames, Iowa say to believe that Jesus uh, is not the only begotten Son of God is to go completely against the Scriptures. The Bible is the truth, and we have to believe the Word over what any man may say. Many verses prove that Jesus is the Son of God and was born of a Virgin Mary. Yeah, we're going to get to that in just a second here. Kent in Georgia says those who deny that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God are in serious error. He references John 1, 1 through 4, and verse 14. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Uh, It says at the beginning of John chapter 1, and then in verse 14, it says that he was manifested. He came uh, and and lived among men. Let me let me get the exact wording on John one fourteen. Uh, the Word Jesus was made flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So uh, John one argues that Jesus is deity. He is the Son of God. And then he also references the, the statement that Jesus made in John three sixteen and 17 that we, we referenced a minute ago. All right. Um, and uh, all right. Um, thank you for that comment to Kent. Mohan uh, has signed in from Chicago, but uh, on some other questions there, so we'll get to those in a minute. Okay. All right. Go ahead. So let's, let's go on. Uh, Dwight, Dwight opened the door here on this next false claim that Jesus was not born of a virgin uh, of course this this is uh, the amazing aspect of the so-called christmas story the birth of jesus and we're going to talk about uh, what time of year that happened what was the date of that occurrence but but that part of the story is an important element of our of our faith mm-hmm. that jesus was born of a virgin um, it, it it's not significant that a child was born. Children are born every day, thousands of times around the world. Uh, but only once in the history of the world did a virgin give birth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so, again, as you said about Jesus' unique nature as the Son of God, this is this is a... This is something that unbelievers want to attack. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they understand the significance of that and the importance of that truth that Jesus was born of a virgin. You know, there's a prophecy in Isaiah, a very important prophecy in Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. Now, remember, Isaiah lived 700 years before Jesus. Right. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, modernists argue, and there are some, there are some modern English translations that say, instead of a virgin shall conceive, they, they, they would translate it, a young maiden shall conceive and bear a son. Well, wait a minute. Isaiah said that this would be the Lord giving a sign. There wouldn't be any sign to a young maiden conceiving and bearing a child. That happens. That happens thousands of times every day all around the world. Right. That's no sign. There's no significance to that. Right. And so, in order for it to be a sign, the proper translation of Isaiah seven fourteen has to be: A virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and and so, you know, again, the Bible uh, states that. And I believe that we have to be ready to defend that truth against those who would argue otherwise. It is important, critical to our faith. If, 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 if Jesus was not born of a virgin, then again, that's, that's a, that destroys our system of faith if, if, if we don't believe it, if we can't prove that. Absolutely. Uh, Kent says those who deny the virgin of birth of Christ are at odds with the word of God. And he references Matthew one eighteen through 23. Let me read part of that. I had that in my notes too. 
Matthew 1, beginning verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying... He quotes Isaiah, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, being interpreted God with us. Now, in, in, in regards to that, so that was the message when, when it was found that she was expecting a child. Uh, and here's what was said, that was what was said to Joseph. Here's what was said to Mary in Luke 1, beginning verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary to the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? So Mary's own expression was, uh, I, how Really? How, how could that be? You know, In a natural way, it couldn't have been. It was a a miraculous virgin birth. You know, have you ever thought about what kind of evidence we could present to prove that Jesus was born, that Mary was a virgin when Jesus was born? Have you ever thought what kind of proof? So, yeah, this is neat. Somebody said, "Ah, yeah, that's a neat story. But how would you be able to prove that it was actually so? Well, I would I would pose this form of evidence. The fact that Mary never denied that reality, even when she was witnessing Jesus being tortured and killed, you know, Mary, it's been argued, and I think it's a fair argument, Mary could have brought the crucifixion to a screeching halt if she had said, listen, I'll tell you the truth about this. He is not. He is not the Son of God. I was not a virgin when he was born. I can tell you all the details about his father. She could have stopped it. She never did, which I think her silence in that regard is a powerful testimony to the truthfulness of the the story of Jesus' birth of a virgin. Because a mother would want to get her son off the cross. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. All right. Uh, We're over time for a break. Um, Why don't we uh, get that now and get your thoughts uh, when we get back, what about December 25th? Is that the day that Christ was born? What do you think? Let us know your thoughts in the chat room tonight. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Here's a quick thought. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord, Psalm 27, 14. We live in a world where everything is done quickly. The psalmist reminds us to wait on the Lord, to remember his timing is flawless. So take courage and remember to patiently wait on the Lord today and always. Seize the day. Here's some quotes worth pondering. People may doubt what you say, but they will always believe what you do. Kindness is a language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. Life affords no greater responsibility, no greater privilege than the raising of the next generation. People who fly into rage always make a bad landing. Taking an action while in a fit of anger is like putting to sea in a storm. Consider how much more you often suffer from your anger and grief than from those very things for which you are angry and grieved. Man, wish I'd said that. 
broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight as we look at uh, Christmas and the misconceptions around the holiday and the misconceptions about Christ. Dwight and Michelle said if Jesus wasn't born of a virgin, he would just be a normal child. That's right. Nothing special about that. Yep. Okay. Exactly right. All right. Um. The, the the other the other part of this is uh, so we've talked about some misconceptions about Jesus and his birth but what about the date of his birth and how would you respond this was the the next question we asked how would you respond to, to someone who says Jesus Jesus was born on December 25th we know that we know that for sure actually we don't know that I thought I uh, read read Kent's uh, analysis there Jacob I thought that was pretty good what he said. He says uh, that we have no way of knowing the date of the birth of Christ. It was not revealed in the scriptures. There is no adequate evidence from secular history. In the, sci- in the study of climatic conditions of Palestine in comparison with New Testament teaching regarding the shepherds, uh, they would not have been out with their flocks during the winter months. The enrolled, enrollment decreed by Caesar Augustus, as recorded in Luke chapter 2, would more than likely not have taken place in the winter months because of the difficulty of travel. I like that last point because remember they had been they they had to travel from Galilee to Judea right. because Joseph was of the house of David and they had to go to the city of Bethlehem for this for this enrollment or this census that that Caesar Augustus had had ordered. As bad a guy as Caesar Augustus is, it wouldn't have been practical for him to order people to be traveling around right. in the winter. Remember that the climate in Israel is more, it, typically about the same as middle of the United States. We're about the same latitude north. And and so uh, uh, I, I never really heard that argument too much. But, but the other part of the argument is sort of a common one that he makes about the shepherds being in the field. Luke chapter 2 verse 8 beginning there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field keeping watch over their flock by night and the angel lord came unto them said fear not i bring you good tidings of great joy and so on you know that text but special emphasis on the shepherds were abiding in the field keeping watch over their flock here's what albert barnes said about our albert barnes is a well-known commentator he was a presbyterian mm-hmm and the Presbyterians certainly observed December 25th as the birthday of Jesus. But here's what Albert Barnes said about that. He says, quote, The climate was mild, and to keep their flocks from straying, they spent the night with them. It is also a fact that the Jews sent out their flocks into the mountainous and desert regions during the summer months and took them up in the latter part of October or the 1st of November when the cold weather commenced. While away in these deserts and mountainous regions, it was proper that there should be someone to to attend them to keep them from straying. It is probable from this that our Savior was born before the 25th of December or before what we call Christmas. At that time, it is cold, and especially in the high and mountainous regions about Bethlehem. But the exact time of his birth is unknown. There is no way to ascertain it. So there's a there's a Presbyterian who's being honest about the facts. Uh, you know, even this, I'm, someone just recently sent me a, a link Someone says, oh, yeah, the shepherds could have been out with their sheep. And, uh, no, it's just not likely. It's, it's, it's uh, All indication is that would not be what takes place in Palestine uh, on the 25th of December. The, the shepherds would not be out at night with their flocks. And we're not the only ones who say that it's likely it was not December 25th, because there are lots of other sources that uh, that explain how we got to December 25th. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't Jesus' birth certificate. Actually, we know that the Catholics are the ones who, who selected this day for an observance. Uh, the World Book says, in the year 354, a specific date was set by the authority of the Bishop of Rome, Liberius. Okay. Uh, the Catholic Encyclopedia says, the same instance which sets Natalis Invicti, a festival of the birthday of the sun, at the winter solstice, the time when the days begin to get longer, the triumph of light over darkness, that will have sufficed to set the Christian feast there too. I think that's really an interesting quote. The Catholics themselves admit the pagans had a special midwinter festival. You know, I think 
yesterday or or maybe the day before. We're we're right at the winter solstice. The days are incredibly short. It gets dark here in Tennessee at four thirty in the afternoon. Uh, I I hate the time change that makes it get dark so early. But these these are the shortest these are the shortest days of the year. Right. The sun is the sun is going away. We need to invite the sun to come back. Yeah. And so we have a big festival for the sun. They worship the sun. Pagans worship the sun. And sure enough, the sun starts coming back. Yeah. So the pagans were were very much into this midwinter observance and worship of the sun. And the Catholic Encyclopedia said, that seems like a pretty good choice for us to set a date for this christian festival maybe we can distract their attention away from worshiping the sun uh, to something that we feel is more appropriate observing the birthday of jesus here's another quote from the new international encyclopedia the wish to place a christian feast in opposition in opposition to the feast of the sun soul invictus at the winter solstice may have had weight. Mm-hmm. And so there's another source that argues the Catholics probably chose that date for that exact reason, to deflect the attention of the pagans away from their sun worship. All right. Uh, and Mohan up in Illinois says, on the claim that Jesus was born on December 25th, I would ask what documentation there is that that is true. And that's just, that's gets down to it, doesn't it, Mohan? I mean, there, where, there is no documentation. The and, documentation supports the idea that this is just man-made and man-designated. And, and even the people who, who, who do it, who stand behind the observance, admit that it's an arbitrarily chosen date is not very likely, almost certainly, not the day that Jesus was born on. There's no way to know what day it was, but this is a bad day to choose for the reasons that we have stated. All right. 87 or 931-381-4567. On the phone tonight, in the chat room, sign in there and send us an email, questions at collegeview.com. Okay. All right. Now, uh, how much time we got here? We're almost ready for a break, but let us introduce the next questions that we wanted to ask here. And this is the big issue. Question two that we sent out earlier today, should the birth of Jesus be observed and celebrated as a special religious day? Now, of course, that is that is precisely what is taking place tomorrow and Saturday. There will be special religious observances. You know, uh, tomorrow evening, Christmas Eve, there are going to be religious groups all across the world, really, mm-hmm. will hold special services in observance of the birth of Jesus. And then, of course, Christmas Day proper. And, and of course, there will be all the big elaborate ceremony that takes place in rome uh the the pope will preside over special christmas observances and so forth should we do that is is it is it appropriate for us to do that uh and i I just i think the answer to that has to be uh, no and and the reason why is real simple we often reference colossians 3 17 Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Okay, so if everything that we do, based upon that verse, everything that we do must be based upon Bible authority. Okay, now how do we establish Bible authority? Well, we establish Bible authority by direct command or example, by approved apostolic example, or by necessary inference. Well, there's not any command or statement in the New Testament indicating that we should observe the day that Jesus was born on. So there's no command or, uh, or statement, a direct statement. There's no example that first century Christians did that. In fact, all his church historians unanimously agree that this observance generated centuries later. It was not practiced by the first century Christians under apostolic guidance. Right. There's nothing that that implies in the New Testament that we ought to do that. There's just no authority. And so to the question, uh, should we celebrate the birth of Jesus with a special religious observance? No, because you couldn't say we're doing it and here's why. We're doing it. Here's book, chapter, and verse that explains why we should do it. It's just not there. 
Romans 14, verse 23 says, uh, whatever is not of faith is sin. If you act without faith, if you act without a clean conscience toward God and confidence that this is what God wants you to do, then you're acting without faith, and that is sin, according to Romans 10, 14, verse 23. Romans 10, verse 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I act by faith when I can read it in God's word, and if I don't read it in God's word, I cannot do it by faith. Romans 14, verse 23 says it is sin. It may seem like a good idea to the Catholics. It may seem like a good idea to you. It may seem like it's just reasonable, but did the scriptures authorize it? Did God say that that's what he wants? And how do you know that's what he wants if he hasn't said? Yeah, that's the key right there. How would I know that this is according to his will or his desire he didn't say so so i that's just i'm I'm inventing something i'm i'm am i god's mind reader that he really wanted us to do that but he never told us so so we're going to do it anyway it's just it's it's without authority it's presumptuous what we know is that we are given a day to observe something about jesus and what we're to observe is his death on the cross he told us to do this do in remembrance of me. When he instituted the Lord's Supper, he said, this do in remembrance of me. We take the, the unleavened bread, as representative of his sacrificed body, and, and, the, and the fruit of the vine, representative of his shed blood. And we do that every first day of the week, according to the apostolic example set in Acts chapter 20, verse 7. So we do have a day. And it's specified, and it's and it's commanded, but it's not about the birth of Jesus; it's about the death of Jesus. Well, it just seems reasonable to me that we would want to be happy that Jesus came to the world, and we'd want to celebrate His birthday. Why wouldn't we want to do that? It doesn't make sense to me. Why? Why would you say that that's a problem? Let's jump back to that. Let's take our break. When we come back to that, does the statement that I just made indicate? And for those who would agree with the statement I just made, does that indicate an ingratitude for the birth of Jesus? Let's talk about that. Dwight and Michelle say, uh, I do not believe that Jesus' birthday should not be celebrated religiously. We have no authority to do so. What we do have authority and command to remember is his death every first day of the week. Or he said, we have no authority to do so. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, let's get a break. Get a six-foot point. We'll get your comments on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Our bullet point this week comes from the pen of Jerry Frost. Most of our unhappiness is produced by the gross sin of ingratitude. Self-pity is what it is often called. Anything we do not like, anything that is against our wishes, makes us miserable if we are consumed by selfishness. It is quite striking that many of those who were so miserable as to commit suicide were blessed with looks, talents, wealth, and even fame. They quit on themselves and on life, not because no one needed them, but because they magnified their miseries and ignored their blessings. The antidote to this kind of misery is to reverse the process. Forget yourself. Jesus said, deny yourself, Matthew 6, verse 24. Help someone who needs some help. Magnify your blessings and remember that all your problems, all of them, are temporary. We were made for eternity. What a blessing. Thank God for the great hope we have in Jesus and for the blessings of the common day. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Back on the program tonight. Reminded you the program is brought to you by College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more at thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. Get us to the YouTube channel there, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, it's College View live stream. Uh, for the most part, I think you just type in College View uh, in the, your search bar on YouTube. It should pop up right College View live stream. So, yeah, it's some. Fantastic studies on there. I'm studying Philippians on uh, Wednesday nights and James on Sunday mornings. So it's really good to add to your Bible studies. So. Thank you for that, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Check it out on YouTube, College Youth Livestream. All right, talking about the myths and misconceptions about Christ and Christmas. Tonight. Let's read what our emailers said, Jacob, about uh, should we observe it? And are we ungrateful if we don't? Moan says, no, the church is not authorized to observe it since it is not mentioned in the Bible for it to do so. No, so notice Mohan is making the same argument that I was talking about. Not authorized. 
That's all you have to say about that. You really shouldn't have to say anything else. If you, if there's no authority, then just leave it alone. It's, it, we can't do it. It's not authorized. It may seem like a great idea to you, but that doesn't mean that that's what God wants. You've got to be careful about reasoning what you think God wants and what you think is best. I mean, what uh, if, if, if we start down that road, there's no stopping place. I mean, and, and the religious world today pretty well illustrates that there's no stopping place because it, almost anything goes religiously now, you know, but no authority. That's all you have to say. All right. Um, Kent says there's no authority to celebrate the birth of Christ. While we do know that Christ was born, Matthew 8, 1, 18 through 25, Luke 2, 1 through 20, uh, because there is neither specific nor generic authority to celebrate a particular day regarding such, we do not engage in such religious activity. Mm-hmm. Note that Paul addresses the underlying principle regarding holy days in Galatians 4, 1 through 4, 10, and 11. Just because we do not attach a specific observance to a particular day in celebration of the birth of Christ does not mean that we deny the significance or show a deep gratitude for his birth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. good point. Hey, you know, this thing cuts both ways. If if we can agree that you have to have authority and that you shouldn't celebrate the birth of Christ because it's not authorized, as we can go the other way and say any other thing that we do that's not authorized, even though it may seem right to me, seem like a good idea. If I can't go and get that authority, I've got to throw it out as well. Yeah. That's a knife that cuts both ways. We've got to stand on the authority of God's word to do so. To do to fail to do that violates the principles of acting on faith, and it is the formula for all of the divergent practices we see in so-called Christianity today. And it is the reason why we do not have unity uh, among believers today. Yeah. You know, it would be interesting if you could time warp and talk to a first century Christian and say, and so you ask Christian, here's a Christian for the first century. Why aren't you having a Christmas? Why aren't you having a special Christmas service uh, at at the local church? I think that Christian would be taken aback. That first century Christian would say, what? Well, I never heard of such a thing. We, never, that, that's, we were not told to do that. Yeah. The apostles never led us in doing that. We're talking almost 300 years or almost 400 years, right? Until, yeah. since before they would even, that, that the idea would even be brought about. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, I do want to address that idea because I, I've, I've heard this accusation made up. It's been made against me personally and against us generally. We all just not grateful for the birthday of Jesus. And that's absolutely not true. Uh, we're grateful for every aspect of the life of Jesus. And it, uh, as we said earlier, Kyle, it necessarily started with his virgin birth. We're Which grateful for that. Frequently in prayer, I think uh, in our personal prayer, even our prayers in church, we thank the Father for sending his son. Exactly. So, uh, I mean, I don't think we need to celebrate a, a set aside a special day to celebrate because we celebrate every Lord's Day and we celebrate personally when we pray to the Father. Yeah. You know, thank you for your son. So, you know, and now this may sound a little bit ludicrous, but if you're going to pick out a day and celebrate it for which there is no authority, no instruction, we don't have. It's just not in the New Testament to observe the day Jesus born on. What if I suggested let's have a special religious day for the day that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? What? What day would that be? We don't know what day that was, right? We don't know what day that was. We'll just pick a day, and then, and then, uh, you know, we'll we'll designate that as a special religious holiday and instruct everybody to engage in these practices. I think everybody say that's crazy. You they just, didn't do that in the New Testament. You just made that up. You just made that up. Well, yeah, that's exactly. We made up the day and we made up the observance. That's what we got with Christmas. Exactly what we've got with Christmas. Now, they seem like sacrilege if you are used to celebrating this holiday. But again, we've got to go back to the scriptures and say, where is the authority? Yeah. So, but, we, but we are, and I, I just really, I think we've got to stress that we're grateful for every aspect of the life of Jesus. Every, we're grateful for every single aspect of Jesus coming to earth to live among men. Uh, to provide an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We're grateful for every element of that. And every element of that story is critical to our salvation. But we don't have authority to, to, to have a special religious observance of 
of that, we we observe his death his death on the uh, on the Lord's day when we take the Lord's supper. And dare we say that perhaps this holiday is so readily celebrated because an infant Christ child is much easier to accept than say the Christ preaching the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. What if we had, you know, July 25th is going to be Sermon on the Mount Day, and we're all going to celebrate that? Oh, I think you might get some pushback there. Well, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't Especially want to. that part about says of, uh, you know, uh, about divorce and remarriage. You know, the Matthew 5:32. That's in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, if a man puts away his wife and marries another, he yep. commits adultery. Ah, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't like yeah, that. Yeah. I just don't want to observe that. It's Jesus is very, you know, very non-controversial as he lays in the, the manger. Yeah, we want the baby Jesus, not the preaching Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Right. So. right. Yeah. So, but I don't know. Maybe that's part of it. Who knows? Uh, uh, okay, go ahead. Dwight, Dwight in the chat room says, "We are not ungrateful for not celebrating his birthday. We are, however, not grateful when we do not remember his death as commanded." It was through his death that we have our hope. All right. We're going to go to the phone. I think we're going up to Vermont. Uh, we're going to get Jeanette, I think, on the phone. Have we got her? Yes. Jeanette, welcome to the program. Hello. Can you hear me? Um, ever since I was a little girl, we've had a lot of Christians, uh, and they celebrate Christmas. You know, they have the Christmas tree, they do the presents, they do the big dinner and everything. And then when you say, well, you're celebrating Christmas, they say, well, we're, we're celebrating it because it's a government holiday and that we're not celebrating it religiously. So can you address that? Yeah, that's, that's the last, that's the last question we want to go to, Jeanette. And, oh. and I know that, that there's going to be a lot of people with, with issues of conscience about that. So, uh, uh, st- uh st- Keep listening online because we want to kind of dive into that more deeply. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into that more How's deeply. How's the weather in Vermont, Jeanette, before we let you go? Cold. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 18 degrees. Oh, boy. It's, it's uh, let's see, I'm to, 14 degrees right now. Well, uh, we're supposed to, in with Tennessee, snow on the ground. In Tennessee tomorrow, it's supposed to be mid-70s. Okay, I'll keep listening. <laughs> okay, all right. Bye-bye. Thanks. All right. Bye. Good to from Jeanette tonight up in Vermont. And uh, we'll send warm wishes her way because that's about all she's going to get in the matter of warmth up there for a long time. Um, let's get a break, and when we get back, uh, we'll get into some of these questions about, uh, well, can we celebrate it? Um, as Jeanette mentioned there, just sort of as a... Secular. Well, I think she said a government holiday. I I refer to it as a secular holiday, and a lot of people do. And I, I and I think clearly Jeanette's call suggested she doesn't feel like it should be done. So there's there's a question there that deserves some discussion. Dwight and Michelle say we're not ungrateful for not celebrating his birthday. We are, however, not uh, grateful when we do not remember his death as commanded. It was through his death that we have our hope. Yeah. yeah so, so maybe the you know the folks who would be you know wouldn't want to miss church on Christmas Eve or they are readily going to skip on Sunday uh, when the death is remembered as we're commanded. Let's get a break when we get back. What about that? Chime in the chat room. Can I? Uh, well, can I give gifts on Saturday? What do you think? Can I? Uh, well, could I even have the family over for a big family dinner? Could I have a tree? Put up a Christmas tree, or a wreath, what, what, or a mistletoe. That's a, that's a big question in people's minds. And and again, before we even dive into that, I want to acknowledge that they're they're good and faithful folks that take a position on each side of that question. We'll try to kind of uh, we'll dig through decipher that. it a little bit here after the break. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. Misconception number 22. The folks at the College of Church of Christ don't like music. Some people say this, but it's simply not true. The fact is we love music and use it as often as we can in worship. Granted, we don't have pianos, organs, guitars, or drums, and we can't explain that if you would like. But we do have music, good music. You ought to come and be a part of it sometime. You may have been misled about us. Why not come and learn the truth about the College of Church of Christ this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m.? Remember, the truth will set you free. 
We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Most Americans, 80%, agree Jesus Christ is the Son of God the Father, while 10% disagree and 10% aren't sure. The average person isn't quite as sure about the Son of God's existence prior to his birth on earth. Around two out of five, 41%, say God's Son existed before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Close to one in three Americans, 32%, disagree with that, and 28% say they're not sure. That information is via LifeWay Research. The Word of God says in John 8, verse 58, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians three seventeen. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight as we go to the top of the hour, talking about Christmas and Christ and the misconceptions and myths around this holiday. All right. So the, the last question was... Can Christians observe Christmas as a secular holiday like Fourth of July, Labor Day, um, Memorial Day, New Year's Day? Can you can you can you have special activities on that day, or or, or can we not do anything at all on that day that, that is identified as Christmas Day by the religious world? I, I, I got, I got, I, I think I can argue both sides of this position and I, and I would, I would argue that there are definitely some things that we can't have anything to do with. For instance, we're going to avoid all religious aspects of the day. We already said we don't have authority to make a, a religious observance of the day and therefore don't do it really. I mean, I, I would take this to the extreme of don't put a star on the top of the Christmas tree because that everybody associates that star with the, 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 the star that led the, uh, the, the wise men to Jesus. Uh, uh, Which is another problem with that whole story, but yeah. that's another program. Uh, don't don't put a, don't put angels out, you know. Don't 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 construct a nativity scene because all of that connects with the unauthorized sig- uh, 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 addressing a religious significance to December twenty fifth. So I would argue. I think if uh, whatever Christians do, they have to. They necessarily must avoid all. Uh, religious aspects of that day. Then I tell you something else that that I think is just terrible, and I've even I've even called it a reverse observance of Christmas. We got some Christians who neglect religious responsibilities to observe Christmas. You know, so I think next year. In 2022, Christmas Day, December 25th, falls on a Sunday. And almost surely there will be Christians who won't go to church that day so they can stay home and have their family Christmas observance. I think that's just absolutely crazy. And and, and so I've even referred to it as a reverse Christmas observance. Right. So we got to certainly avoid that. But, I mean, even when Christmas Day is not on Sunday, we can let all the busy commotion of the season distract us from doing our religious duty and we shouldn't certainly christians cannot engage in the sinful practices that are connected with christmas you know the, the drunken christmas party at work you know where they got the, the the punch bowl is spiked and and everybody's drinking freely and getting you know tipsy all of that sort of stuff avoid all of that certainly we need to be careful about materialism always, and and the 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 commercial world has tried to make Christmas into this massive materialistic observance, and I think it's easy, pretty easy to get caught up in that. We need to be really careful about that. Yep. Yeah. And then here's the overarching argument for no: don't observe Christmas if your conscience tells you 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 shouldn't. You already referenced. Romans fourteen twenty three. If if you know if you have a conscience problem with it, don't do it. Because if you're violating your conscience, whatever you do, if it violates your conscience, it's a sin. Right. So f- for all of those reasons, I would I, I would argue all those things on the no side. 
that these are things you've got to avoid uh, necessarily. Now, on the other side of the coin, I I think a case can be made that Christians can do things on certain days that that had their roots maybe in religion, but have now become distinctly separate from religion. I saw a survey where it said that 50, 50% of Americans celebrate Christmas non-religiously. 87% of atheists and agnostics observe Christmas. They are definitely not observing it as a religious holiday. So it's it's pretty clear that in our day and time, much of of Christmas has been separated from from the any religious aspect of it. Someone say, yeah, but it has its roots. It had its roots in a religious observance. Let me give you a couple examples. The Apostle Paul, in regards to the practice of circumcision, we remember that circumcision definitely had its roots in Jewish religious practice. Uh, and it was a real problem uh, in the first century when when some some Jewish Christians tried to bind that on Gentile converts. Uh, and so uh, in Acts chapter 15, it says, Men came down from Judea to Antioch and taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain of them should go up to Jerusalem and to the apostles and elders about this question. So when they came up there trying to bind this as as a religious necessity, you must observe circumcision. Paul said, absolutely not. In fact, in Galatians chapter 2, uh, Paul references that, and he said, uh, we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. And so to those who were trying to bind it, who were trying to make it a religious necessity, a religious observance, he said, not, not at all. But then... In Acts chapter 16, verse 1, Paul came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him, and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Well, man, there's Paul practicing the circumcision. When people tried to bind it as a religious observance, he said, no, not for an hour. But when he, but, but he had Timothy circumcised not as a religious necessity, but just as a matter of discretion, a choice, a judgment. So I think we see, uh, I'm presenting that, that as a case example of Paul doing something that certainly had its roots in religious observance. He wouldn't allow it to be bound as a religious practice, but he, he would engage in it. On, on the basis of a personal judgment. And you see that. And then one other example uh, in, in regards to the eating of meats. We know that the eating of meats, specifically it was meats that had been offered at at a idol sacri- uh, uh, altar. The al- so meats sacrificed to idols. What do you do with the meat? What do you do if an animal's been sacrificed to an idol? What do you do with the meat that's left over? Oh, that became a big contention in the first century church, and a lot of people were tore up about that. And the apostle Paul said in in First Corinthians ten, whatsoever verse twenty five, whatsoever sold in the shambles that eat, asking no question for conscience' sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to a, uh, to a feast, and you be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you eat, asking no questions for conscience' sake. But if any man say unto you, This is offered and sacrificed unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it, and for conscience' sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? So there was something again. This was this was something that was rooted in pagan religious practice, and the pagans made a deal out of eating the meat that had been sacrificed to idol. To them, that had religious significance. Paul said, "It's nothing. You can do it. You, you don't. If, if you choose to do it, do it." If somebody tries to make a point out of it and tries to say this is a religious act, then don't do it. 
for their sake, for their conscience sake. But, but I think again, we see Paul showing that there, even things that had their root in a religious practice, he could, he could practice it in his personal judgment, just not bind it religiously. That's what Michael said in the chat room. If no observance, then how can we use the names of the week, month, etc.? They all have religious histories. And that's what Kent in his email said as to whether or not one seeks to celebrate Christmas as a secular national custom must be determined on a personal or individual basis. We need to remember distinctions need to be made between individual actions and collective actions of the local church. Romans 14 deals with issues limited to that of personal matters. While as individuals we have the right to engage in national customs and secular celebrations that do not violate the word of God, such must be limited to personal and family associations, not including the collective function of the local church. I have no personal problems at various times of the year celebrating various national holidays, such as a secular celebration of Christmas, any more than I have using the names of the days of the week in a non-secular way, um, in a secular, uh, sorry, non-religious. non-religious way, or celebrating the birthdays of a family, a family and friends. I do recognize, however, that the local church in, collective, in a collective way must not engage in secular customs. And let's quickly go back to the phone and welcome Jeanette back to the program. Jeanette, welcome back. Hi. Listen, I just wanted to uh, share with you something that happened to me when I was a little girl. Sure. I had just become a Christian, and people had, you know, the Christians there had said, oh, you can celebrate Christmas as long as you don't do it religiously. Okay, so I went to my grandmother's house, you know, for the family dinner, and I proudly told her, you know, that, well, we don't celebrate it religiously, but we're allowed to celebrate it. And she said, you don't? And I said, no. And she said, well, then you shouldn't be celebrating it at all. You shouldn't be having Christmas at all because that's what Christmas is about, the birth of Jesus. Now, as I grew older, that has always been with me. And so you're right. I don't celebrate Christmas because once I got married, I talked it over with my husband, and we decided that that just wasn't a good thing for us because it doesn't show the people of the world that we're peculiar if we're still putting up uh, Christmas trees and sending Christmas cards and all that stuff. So, so, your gran- so, so your, this was your grandmother, you said? Yeah, and she wasn't a Christian. Oh, she wasn't at all? No. Okay. No. So it was her, and so you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to leave that impression with her at all? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, you but, know, I, but I always felt like a hypocrite. I, I, we still did it, you know, because I was growing up and I was in my mother's home. She was a Christian. My father was not. But, you know, I, I just, you know, I, by the time I was on my own and everything, I wanted to give Christmas up, and I did. Well, you said something there that I think is really significant, Jeanette. That is, you felt like a hypocrite. You had a conscience problem about yes. connecting any association of uh, uh, of anything. Well, the reason the reason I had the conscience sake though was because a non-believer uh, got onto me about it. Yeah, sure, you know, and said you're being, you know, this isn't right. What you're doing? Well, what it, you're that, celebrating Christmas and you don't even believe in that, it. Right, and so you, I, I would be very careful about that as well with her. Um, but what if what if all your family were Christians and everyone understood that there is no religious uh, authority for religious observance here? But you said, hey, listen, you know, everybody's got the day off. Would would you come over to our house and we're gonna have a we're gonna have a ham and uh, and a big dinner and we'll spend the day together? Um, you wouldn't be given any bad impressions with that, right? Right, but, you right, wouldn't. Right. But giving the gifts and having the Holiday lights up and the Christmas trees and the all that stuff well, does give the impression we, that yeah. we're not. And we need to be careful about that. We need and, to. Use and caution. I think you're. I think you're. I think you're expressing there, Jeanette, that there's some important judgments that need to be made. In in the chat room, Dwight said we send out Christmas cards, but I would not send out a card that has any religious connotation. Uh, right. So you know, again. And, and I'm, yeah, I, I'm, I'm like you. And I understand all of that, yeah. but I'm just saying that I don't think that we are showing the world that we are a peculiar people when we do exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Except I, not I understand. I understand your position on that completely, Jeanette. And I would argue that with your with your conscience about it, that you're doing the right thing for you. Oh, yeah. I, I, but I do believe that there's some room to allow for 
everyone to exercise their conscience in that regard and and so that's kind of that's kind of the point we were trying to make you, there's some things you absolutely have to avoid uh and then there's some judgments about some other things and and so you know i think i think we got to leave some room there for personal conscience and and i oh, would and again, i do I, yeah yeah I, I i i understand and you know again i would i would point to the apostle paul there especially in regards to eating of meats you know that was a big big deal and it ca- and it came out of pagan religion uh but paul said you can do it he said, you're not sinning to do it. But if the other person wants to make a big deal out of it and try to say, you know, you know what you're doing there. You're eating meats that have been offered to idols. He said, don't do it. If they're trying to, if they're trying to, sh- if they're trying to make a point that you're observing a religious act, don't do it. So I think, I think that example really is pertinent to this question. And, and Jeanette, can I thank you for your desire to be different from the world? That's, that's commendable. And that's something that, we, that many people are not willing to be different from the world. And so you, what motivates you to make the decision that you're not going to do it is noble, that you want to be distinct. You That's want to good. Be That's exactly right. I've got three sons, and they all do the same thing. All right. Good deal. Well, thanks, okay. thanks for calling. Thank you for calling. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. That gets us to the end of the program. Uh, a good discussion tonight. Yeah, I think it's an important one, and it's been a few years since we talked about it on the virtual Bible study. We don't we don't do it every December time frame, but right. it's I think it's worthy study tonight. All right, Kyle, yeah. final thoughts from you. It's a good study. I think it's something we need to be mindful of this time of year and the winter months. It's uh, we just make sure that we're keeping focus on doing spiritual things in spiritual ways, the way the Bible tells us to, the way the Father guided us and told us to. So make sure we're observing his commands and not the world influences. So, yeah, it's a good right. study. Good study. All right, Dad, thank you for a good discussion tonight. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for our listeners to, for joining us, and we hope that you will make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.